0: Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, NBs, doglets of all ages. It is the Dash Watery We Desh Show, coming at you on this glorious Friday, February the 19th, 2021, with Wonder Egg Priority, episodes four through six. This is Stream of Thought. This is our public and free stream. And we are here to sink our teeth in to perhaps the most synced, sink- teeth inable <laughs> anime of this season. Uh, the voice you're hearing right now in your ears is me the subtle doctor and along for the ride is uh, my good buddy, great guy, ever present uh, pod co host the Chromius Dome guiltiest gear. Good
1: evening ladies, gentlemen, and MBs. Hope you're all doing very well this Friday. Uh, Doing things a little differently as you might have noticed. uh, Doc has not been able to uh, use his normal streaming setup. I I think it might be because you've recently, you know, become a road warrior. I don't know. Um, not 100% sure on that. But you've, you've very <laughs> gracefully provided us with three of your previous Tinder profile pictures. Uh, basically, you've never used Tinder because you never had a need to, but they're still there. Uh, so they are, of course, on screen and will be cycling through for everyone's pleasure. And I want everyone to know on record that I am in control of this stream today. I built this interface using stuff cobbled together from my File 10 stuff. Uh, and on top of that, I've only used those three pictures for Doc's slideshow, but I want him and everyone else to know I could have used other pictures if I felt so inclined. I have power today, and it took all my restraint not to use it.
0: That's right. the uh, The controller is in your hand, and I can only but uh, gracefully thank you for it's this one here. Not using what could have been potentially incriminating photos of myself. Could have
1: been in, could have been Elf and Lee so, pictures. Just I'm just saying
0: gozaimasu.
1: <laughs> You're <only>. very welcome.
0: <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, uh, okay, so we are on uh, a bit of a tight schedule today, but uh, we we're going to power through and we were going to get through all the things we intended to discuss uh, on Web, Web 4 through 6. Um, we've got a, uh, quite a few patron questions to get through. If you would like to become a patron and support us, uh, you are certainly welcome to patreon.com slash waterwaydesho. Um, those folks uh, on all tiers can ask us questions to be answered on this stream of thought. And Shadan has
1: the questions in front of him right now. So we're going to dive right in. We are indeed. Very first question comes from a friend of the pod. Uh, it comes from Emily Rand. Uh, following this latest episode, number four, what are your takes on Akka and Uraka's conversation with the girls in the garden? Uh, so we need context for this. The context is about how um, Nehru asks because she believes at the time that our new character that we've been introduced, Momoe, is a boy, uh, but no, Momoe is a girl. And so Neira asks, uh, Hey, I thought this was a girls only club. Um, and the conversation leads into a discussion about the differences between suicides uh, between men and women. Um, specifically, the quote is that men are goal oriented and women are emotion oriented in terms of their suicides and, um, and also there is a mention of the temptation of death, and that it could very well be that the girls who have passed away, the ones we've met throughout the show thus far, people like Koito, um, they might very well regret that choice now if, if we were to ask them that. Um, and so I have a couple of thoughts on this. The first of which is that the Akers are actually, funnily enough, broadly speaking, doing the same thing as the monsters in the shows thus far, where they're reinforcing gender stereotypes um, and particularly also um, trying to make the the fact that the the reason the women kill themselves, at least as the show presents it, as emotion oriented, is that it seems to be less rational. Um, which is a I, I mean, God, I I fa- <laughs> I found this I found this conversation like. Mildly offensive, and I don't mean offensive as in like I thought the show was offensive for having it because it's very clearly. I mean, there's there's more enough evidence now, in my opinion, that the Akers are not a benevolent force
0: on some bullshit they are on some
1: they are on some bright <laughs> bullshit they are con artists they are in my opinion no different than the monsters of the show I mean the monster in the star of episode 4 is talking about like all girls want to be touched you know all girls want to like basically gaslighting the girl that Momoe saves at the start like no no it's not my fault that I touch it's your fault you know you were just so yeah. so cute. And, and, and skin, crawling. Yeah, skin crawling. Yeah. Skin crawling stuff. It's really and, and even even, yeah. even when even when that monster is slain, by the way, uh, he still says like women are so deceitful. And I'm like, fuck you. Stay down, you shit. Uh, anyway. <laughs> so but they're also like, you know, trying to reinforce stereotypes like men kill themselves because they're goal-oriented and women are emotion-oriented. I'm like, no 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 no. no, no. they God there there are like there are of course men who do take their own lives because they are suffering from emotional distress um there are women who also similarly do that because of goal issues um god it yeah i found this conversation like extremely suspect i think that it again is just in line with everything else that's happening in the the Akers are trying to present themselves as, as people of authority. I mean, they know the rules of this world, but they're also speaking about just generally how people behave, but they're only reinforcing existing stereotypes. Um, and even then they're like, uh, the funny thing is they're both, they both try and say there are differences and then also say that there aren't. And yet there are, there's a truth to both of those things in that, you know, there are certainly differences between genders and there are also non differences, but they're not the ones they're talking about. Um, I mean, if you want to say, for example, that there are no differences between the genders in like, the reasons why people kill themselves, no, there absolutely are, because in a bit of unfortunate, you know, I caught this in... I saw this in real life while I was watching this episode, these set of episodes. Um, There was an article out recently about an increase in the suicide rate in Japan for women specifically because of what's happening with COVID. Uh, Why is that happening, you might ask? Well, one reason that's been postulated is because there are women who obviously go to work, uh, they live with abusive husbands or boyfriends, uh, but because they cannot go to work anymore uh, or mo- like, because they're stuck at home in lockdown for, or for whatever reason, they are obviously exposed to the presence of their abusive boyfriends, partners. Um oh And God. yeah, it's horrific. Like even like that's that was something like 11% increase, like Japan's suicide rate has been going down for a while, but COVID has brought it back up and it's disproportionately targeting women Uh targeting being the wrong word, of course, but you, you get my point. Um, but yeah. no, I think that their entire like there's evidence also in episode five a different thing that I think was just more more underhanded. But like their their discussion of this, they're trying to like basically play to existing stereotypes in the exact same way as the monsters. The context differs, you know. They're talking about the differing reasons, the different core reasons why the um, men and women might want to kill themselves or what they believe is the most common reason for it, as opposed to the monster at the start, which is just like, well. I'm not, you know, I'm not a sex offender. It's your fault, you know. You make me do the sex offending yeah. as opposed to me, like, which is just horrific. Uh, but nonetheless, they are still operating in the same playbook, which is that they are trying to place blame or stereotypes on women uh, that are patiently false. Um, what, the only key difference I would say is that the actors have an agenda, whereas the monsters are just primal, I suppose is a word for it. They're for, like, you know, they, they're just spousing stuff that is um, that is drawn from the experiences of the girls in question who passed away, like the one start. Um, but yeah, uh, incredibly suspect stuff going on there. Um, and I found it, I say, mildly offensive because I can speak as someone who has been suffering, from, who has suffered from age in the past, and mine was very much emotion driven. <laughs> but even then, also, like goal oriented and emotion oriented can be overlapping eye things as well. Like, let's say if you're a guy and your goal is to meet a girl. That is more than likely, I would say. Although for some, it's certainly not driven from some sort of emotion. You know, they're not mutually exclusive.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, by the way, in case you didn't know, content warning. Yeah, Session uh, of suicide, etc. Uh, <laughs> like, but I in the text at the bottom uh, of the VODs and the podcast, of course. But like I, by this point in the show, you know, if you're watching along. um, you you know probably already what's up here. Um, but just for the record, there will be more discussion of these topics. Um, so, you know, I had never... I never really thought before about the sort of differences in motivation for taking one's own life, being rooted in something like sex or gender. Like, it always seemed such a very uh individual like very very deeply individual action that had never like considered the idea there might be some sort of typology or taxonomy of of suicides so like not saying that there's no scientific studies being done about this sort of thing i'm i'm sure that there are um just thinking about it this way makes me uh makes me uncomfortable but that is what this show likes to do and like You know, like you said, the Akas are clearly uh, bad. And I think, you know, that they're worse than the monsters. Because I think, you know, I think that, like you said, they have this agenda where everything that they're doing is very psychologically manipulative. And preying on the way these girls think to get them to keep playing this game. Mm -hmm. Um, I'll probably be talking about this a lot. I have a lot of notes about how these episodes in particular, even more than the first three, really felt to me like pretty cutting criticism of uh gacha games and like sort of uh games as these things that suck in young people and want their their simulations of interactions to replace real social interactions Mm -hmm. um and i don't mean physical just i mean all types of you know, be it online physical interactions with actual persons mm-hmm. um so yeah this conversation uh was really yuck you know these are just these two like they're like this good cop bad cop kind of manifestation of a gacha interface that has again like is there's this push and pull between them but it's all designed to keep you coming back keep these girls playing this game uh whether I don't know whether they want to or not, I guess. Um I think they want to, but like there's still there's still this predatory nature to them. Um wh- and whereas like you said, the the Ceno Evils and the haters, like you know, they are a metaphor for something real that is very bad that has its own agency, but in you know, looked at another way through this giant metaphor of a gacha game, they they cannot be but the monsters they're programmed to be. Uh so it's even with that, you know, fucker you talk about in episode four that uh Momoe fights uh the the abuser, the molester of uh Miwa, I think her name was. Mm-hmm. Like, he's really terrible. I mean, I don't think anyone would ever dispute that. But like, how much worse are her parents? <laughs> the ones that are the there's almost this sort of parallel between akka and the monsters uh and her parents and um and this this uh manifestation of her abuser in this game were like you have the yucky gross obvious monster but then you also have the like kind of more clean cut and properly presented like you know akkas or her parents that are like parents are supposed to look out for her or whatever but like they are just so terrible, almost more terrible to me because they are like, well, "Why didn't you just fucking put up with them? Yep. Your dad uh, got fired because of you. What are you doing? Like, it's only because you're cute. I mean, again, like you said, the gaslighting, the the victim blaming. Yeah. Um, it was uh, it was awful. So, but yeah, the the conversation uh, that that is what I that is what I make of it. Mm-hmm. And man, every every passing episode, I dislike those echoes more and more.
1: Yep absolutely okay uh, next question comes from gogo tight robot what is the meaning behind the specific helper that each girl received funnily enough this actually ties in with what we were just discussing about how the hackers have uh, an agenda and not the best interest and i'll explain why so in episode six uh haters appear uh haters gonna hate of course uh Uh, jokey joke joke and (laughs) by the way i've never seen such a wonderful representation of online trolls and people and hate groups as these guys because they have got, they've huh. they progressed from why previously described in the Ceno Evils as indiscriminate violence, where they don't care, like, you're no like, you know, they'll single you out, but they'll single you out because you're a nobody and they feel like you're easy prey. But now, uh, the haters, literally the evolved form of the Ceno Evils, uh, they right, single right. you out to commit discriminate violence because you are now yeah. someone. And all I could think about going from it was like, how many, like, women have I seen, like, abused online, like, you know, public figures politicians, for example, just because they are, like, notable and out there and doing things and that alone is offensive enough to these kind of people, and I think that is such a brilliantly cutting, um, like image for, to describe these kind of people who abuse those such people like that, um, to just show them as mindless drones, like, you know, just cackling idiots, like, it's it's perfect, it's accurate and it's true that it it is the next level up from just you're a nobody and I'm going to take out like you know, I'm going to hurt you emotionally, mentally, or however. To no, you're not a nobody, but that makes you all the more dangerous. I have to fight back even harder. You know, it's like it's like almost like a a pressure system weighing down them that only intensifies in response to them fighting back. It, it's a great mm. great metaphor for what happens with with women in general like you want to you know fight back against what they've suffered like i mean do i talk about me too for example like how many people started fighting back against how many how many like you know people start acting like haters towards that but anyway that's not relevant to the question i'm bringing that up because um in order to fight back against the haters uh the hackers give the girls uh a present and i swear to god the moment they open it gets given some in a little box uh and the moment they opened that and revealed what was inside i was like oh no no, 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 Because they are given necklaces that look an awful lot like the soul gems from Madoka, like, in shape and design. And the moment I saw it, I was like, uh-oh, oh, shit. It's going to be Sayaka all over again. I swear to God, like, Nehrya's just going to be there, like, in episode 10, and she's going to, you know, just get turned into an evil abomination or something like that, and say good, anyway. But no, what did you-
0: I mean, this is a magical role show, so I think that's in play. That is what I would call this. Like, if you- Wanted to put it in a genre box. Yeah, I think it. There's some just uh, very like distinct hallmarks, and this is this is in keeping with that. And also, I I feel like I have to say, I want to be the very best. Like no one ever was. Um, to catch them is my real is my real test. <laughs> cetera, I do. I cetera, yeah.
1: I was gonna, I was going to say like I. I mean, it's appropriate for her to have the uh, grass type starter, given she is a sunflower. <laughs> it, it fits. Uh, but anyway, the they eventually um what they are told to do is to keep them close and warm with body heat uh, by the way that's a very much a reinforcing uh, from the akka's part of maternal instinct because they are all girls um so i thought that was an interesting yeah. to think about as well like very traditional
0: the game marketed to ladies yeah,
1: very traditional role there you know you're, you're meant to be mothers and all that you know that kind of thing. Uh, but eventually they all hatch, and they all hatch into different little creatures for them. that um, I We only see eyes actually get used in battle at the moment, uh, but it turns into like a giant version of itself. Uh, it's a chameleon, and it's a chameleon that um, eats the um, haters like flies. Uh, but um, but the others, um, Rika, was it, was it Rika? Yeah, I keep God, I nearly, got her, that's right. I nearly mm-hmm. got her name mixed up. Rika has a turtle, uh, Neru has a steak, mm-hmm. and Momoe has a crocodile. And here's the thing. One of these is a bit more tenuous. Some of these are a bit more tenuous, but I think um, that the intent behind these is that... Oh boy, we have theories.
0: I got a theory too. We have a theory.
1: (laughs) I think that they're metaphors for uh, certain personality traits, uh, negative personality traits, or um, tendencies that the girls have. Uh, The chameleon, of course, blends into the background. What does I do? There you go. Uh, The turtle, we've spoken about, like, you know, for example, how Rika has, like, this armor that she hides, like, she hides herself in yep. you know there's that mm-hmm. uh the snake um well this comes in the episode after we get nero's backstory uh and it's very clear like you know that nero is a uh, precision she's i'd almost say even predatory in her own right because she's not doing she as we learn in a very on in a way that is also sh- strikingly honest and and you know unreserved she's not doing this for the sake of the girls that they're trying to rescue she's or even for yeah. the person who it's her sister who who took her own life, but more for her own knowledge. Like she's got the probably arguably the more pure and honest, if if not altruistic, uh, version of eyes motivation. Totally. Yeah, um, but yeah, there's that. Um,
0: I think this is like, um, I think it's like too that uh, you know she's trusting people is very hard for her. I think that, and so like the the snake represents her sort of suppressed tendency to just like. You know,
1: fight back. Just yeah, you get close to it, it just spit uh, like cobra. You know, make
0: well, yeah, and just like uh, be be kind of on her own, or maybe, or maybe even like uh backstab or betray people for her own kind of gain. I mean, she is the president of some kind of corporation,
1: or she's other. fundamentally compromised. Uh, I'll tell you that for free, but that's a discussion <laughs> for later. So, um So, like,
0: yeah, I, th- I think that's um, and. That, that's what i felt when i saw the snake yeah
1: last one as well uh is the crocodile uh that has.
0: i was less clear about this. what do you the, think about the, the crocodile best here? guesses
1: i have is that crocodiles are not seen as feminine creatures uh that's and also that mm. they tend to obviously lurk underwater uh, which could be a representation of hidden identity uh, but again that is a push and i am um... i feel like that's
0: i think that that's good though i think i think that's right like when they kind of like, lie in wait for Mm -hmm. smaller animals and and feed on them. I mean, there was that whole discussion between her and Nehru of, like, you know, you run away from the attention, but you really sort of like it, don't you? Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe there's kind of a conflict going on within her where she's, like, she she doesn't like it. You know, she obviously feels deep pain at, like, the microaggressions that she undergoes of being misgendered all the time. But also, there's, like, the pain of, like, all these ladies asking her out, you know, when she's, uh, sort of has a more feminine presentation. And, like, it, b- but, I mean, she doesn't like it, but, like, I guess the implication of that conversation and perhaps the crocodile is, maybe there's a part of her that does like it, even if she doesn't really intend to, yeah. didn't start well, out like it.
1: I remember also, uh, this is probably completely unintentional as far as the show goes, but there was a story that I, uh, a child's story that i read is when i was like five and it's stuck in my head since then of this like uh bird brushing a crocodile's teeth uh you know you get close you look you get you get real you're (laughs) real close and you realize what it actually is and then you recoil away uh of course because it's a fucking crocodile um so my interpretation of the of the helpers that the girls get is that they are like representations again of negative elements not of their person of, basically of their behaviours of like mindsets ingrained like you know reactions emotions desires you name it um, and they are being asked to nurture by uh, these things by proxy of nurturing the helpers to file and sign like essentially the Akers are say you're going to get strength from embracing these parts of you that are not positive uh, mm, yeah, yeah yeah
0: yeah and they like and they you know use them to feed on the hater so it's like they're they're being encouraged to like yes inhabit these these bad or or negative uh or unhealthy when taken to the extreme personality traits when they're under the pressure and under the weight of you know what does it say they feed on spite and envy or like You know the the situations that they're always in, like the bullying, the romantic overtures that are unwanted, the bad home life. Like, yeah, they're being encouraged to retreat into that. Whereas, clearly, like, they should not be doing. Should not be doing that. That's that is uh, yeah. I'm, uh, not the way they want to go. And
1: after. I'm going to make a wager for the last third, or maybe last two episodes of the show. I'm going to wager that um, they are going to end up fighting their own represent their mm-hmm. own helpers. Uh, and they're probably going to become like really twisted, grotesque, horrific things. I can see that chameleon yeah. going places, I'll tell you that. Um, but I can also just <laughs> yeah. see I bonking over the head and saying, I don't need you anymore. And that's, sh- I mean, maybe that might be a bit too on the nose for the show, but you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, yeah. Uh, that's my un- interpretation of it. They are the actors again, another underhanded way of them saying, just keep nurturing that side of yourself that you really, really shouldn't be. Benefit, you know, helps you fight, helps you save girls, keeps the game going, this kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Also, fucking Soul jobs. Yeah. Sorry.
0: I know. <laughs> the only thing I'll add, because I agree with, with everything you and I just said, is that, like, it's funny that they are introduced now, you know, and obviously, you know, part of it is because, you know, they've been playing the game a long time, they're leveling up and all this, but it's almost like, I don't know, that. The Akkas are reacting in a way to them, the the girls working together and bonding and kind of growing uh, and encouraging each other's like positive um, traits and and healthy, uh, healthy living. Like because, you know, in in the previous episodes, you know, they've met up, they spend all this time together um they even you know rika and i fight in the same kind of battle plane which is the first and only time that's happened and this feels like maybe a way to uh put that wedge between them again because certainly since they've gotten these partners and even before like they haven't really uh they haven't fought together in a battle um so we'll see we'll see if that develops anymore
1: indeed um yeah, I 100% agree. And I think there's a lot of evidence to the fact that the Yakers are trying in some way or another just to make them compete each other. Even very subtle, minor things that arguably don't count, but I'm going to talk about those later. Uh, but then again, that's part part of Gaslighting. It's not just the big overture moves of like, you know, oh, it's entirely your fault that I did this thing to you. Uh, it's also the little things. The little bits here and there that just break down your understanding of the world, your relationships with people, but Again, I'm dancing around the issue. I'll get back to that set later. For the moment, we have more patron questions. Uh, next uh, two questions come from Anes Number One. Uh, hopefully, the very first in the line of Anesses and the best of the lot as well. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about
0: reading Number One?
1: How do you feel about how the four girls interact? If you like it, what do you think makes them click? For me, um, I enjoy. I mean, I mean, there's an there. In episode five, we have two contrasting scenes that go to show like you know why I like about their interactions and also what makes me a little worried about what the actors are trying to do. Uh, Specifically I'm talking about the scene where they're in uh, I's house and they're just literally having a little get together and talking obviously about what's going on but there's a lot of like just genuine interactions between them like with Rika and Nehru for example. I mean you'd think those two would be oil and water and indeed uh, there is an amazing scene where Nehru calls out Rika's bullshit of oh uh, you got any money to lend me and Obviously, Neru is the one who would have the most money to lend, you know, to the, (laughs) to, to Rika if necessary. But she just recognizes her as a, as a con artist. And it's just great. It's just exposes,
0: exposes her as like a a fucking, uh, like, (laughs) not really, but it felt as, as like a fucking alt right Reddit humor person. Or it's just like, ha ha ha, I'm just joking, whenever Strokes. anything gets like is uncomfortable. Yeah, exactly. And then how she's like, well, stop joking. It's not funny. And that just totally is like, totally blows up Rika's spot where she's yeah. just like, what? And it's like, yeah, fucking tell her. I mean, God. I'll I'll
1: note, I'll note here and now that of course we've now been introduced to all the characters we see all of their weapons that they have. Uh, by the way, on the rewatch I realized that Rika's weapons were razor blades in what looked like scissor holdings. And I just thought, oh, Mm. no, what do you do with Razorblaze? Jesus Christ. Because obviously we'd seen that she had self-hound. And you can take that as a metaphor for her weaponizing her pain. Um, But anyway. Oh, God. But anyway. um, Nehru's weapon, or weapons, though, is basically a versatile army. It is the law bringer Mm. from Judge Dredd. It can be a sniper rifle. It can be a regular (laughs) machine gun. It can be anything. Uh, she oh, I mean, I mean she's got the uh, Tomoe Arsenal basically working in this, uh, but it's also a protractor, uh, which is just a great um metaphor for <clears throat> um her mindset, which is precise and to the point. Uh, she's that with yep. Rika, and she's also that with I in episode six in a moment that if I were drinking it for the time it would end up entirely all over my screen. Um, but we'll get to that yeah. because holy shit!
0: And the sniper rifle—I mean, precision weapon, right from a distance, yeah. accuracy. Yeah,
1: absolutely. She said she, she said twice that's her line. I'll blow your mind, and well she certainly did in episode six. Again, right? that's
0: that is the other thing where I feel like this show is—is is, that's the big tell that it's Magical Girl—is that they all have these little catchphrases before they land the final blow. You know, Eyes i's, is now I'm really mad. Nehru's is I'm about to blow your mind.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh but back to the thing I think that's most key about why I enjoy watching these characters together is that they the dialogue between them is very naturalistic. Um it feels authentic, it feels like how girls that age would speak to each other, and they also have their own distinct personalities as well. Um yeah, they they have a lot of good chemistry of each other and the fact that they are in, I mean we talked about like Rika and Neri, for example. Again, oil and water, but they do actually mix very well, they play off each other. Um but I think part of it also is something that really struck out to me when I episodes is that they're in this other world and it's only the four of them. And originally, of course, it was just I. Um, which I think, um, if you look at it in the as, you know, especially with Momoe, for example, because we only, we see her operating on her own for much of episode four. Uh, for a time, these characters all works alone and in some ways still do. And I think that I'm admittedly speaking hypothetically here uh, because I... I've known people who've been suffer- who suffered from suicidal thoughts, but I haven't actually known someone who's killed themselves. Thank God. Um, I believe, Doc, you mentioned someone who has, though. I could be mistaken on that. So it, it, feel feel free to intervene. You know.
0: No, no, you're right. Yeah, two two important people to me have. You know, I've been touched by suicide twice. Yeah. Once as a small child, and once as an adult.
1: Yeah. Um, I won't speak on your behalf for that, of course. Um, but what I will mention is that I think that if you're someone who knows someone who's who's done that, um. You probably feel like the loneliest person in the world because I think the motivations that I has particularly, are very honest. Which is that why, like, you might know, for example, that things were happening, but that doesn't give you the inner working, the inner understanding, and you can feel like you've got no one you can talk to about it. Which led me, by the way, to having a really emotionally charged moment at the end of episode six. But I'll talk to that. I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, but yeah i think that speaks like the fact that they originally all operated alone and that wasn't just in the case of hunting these uh you know these bosses and saving these girls from the eggs but also just that they had no one they could connect to over the over their shared loss but now they are all coming together to do that um so the world is no longer quite so empty anymore this other world there's a representation of how they feel in the real world um so yeah, uh, I also think, by the way, that part of the reason this all works is because the animation is absolutely stellar. All of the character acts in this show is a, is a cut above so much of what I've seen elsewhere. It's not even funny. It makes Izokin look amateurish, which is crazy when I put it like that. But there's just such a lot oh, of naturalistic that's... behavior. <laughs> it's really good.
0: Yeah. Hyperbole, hyperbole, or <laughs> How dare you slander?
1: I, it's a relative. It is a relative. Modern. It is a relative <laughs> thing, you. You sod, you. <laughs> Why
0: well, do you hate Azoken and Masaki Oasa? I'm going to tell him you said that. Uh,
1: what, you, you've got a private line to him, Macy?
0: Yeah, we DM each other all the time. He's a, he's a big supporter of what we, That's totally undrew. Um No. But if I did know him, I would tell him you said that. Excellent. Uh, well, How do you like that?
1: And on top of that, I should mention, uh, you know, if you are going to contact him, tell him to get on to Devilman Season 2 already. <laughs>
0: come out of retirement what do you do you lazy
1: bastard
0: <laughs> grab a pencil get ambulated get, 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 get to
1: work yeah um, exactly. okay so over to you doc what do you think in response to that question
0: oh i mean i i it's a complicated answer because i really like their rapport but like i'm you know when i think about them as like <laughs> so i think about them as characters and i think about them as people i think i don't know i think a lot of kind of modern fandom you know, is this way and really leans into thinking about characters as people rather than as um, uh, tools, metaphors, archetypes, um, things uh, to be used in service uh, of a story. Um, but not that I think that that's bad, you know what I mean? But like, so I guess I'm going to try to talk about both in a sense. like, so I love their, um, I love their rapport. Uh, I think that they do get on really well and it's really fun to watch them. Um, And I love the fact that they can disagree with each other um, on so many things, but still like they have this real connection. So that doesn't mean, oh, we're breaking up, you know, we're done. And their friend group is interesting because like, I don't know, it feels like really natural that like you would have a friend in the friend group. That's like some people are like, man, I would not have this person in my friend group but another person's like no i they're really important to me and they're cool mm-hmm. and so because you like them you're like all right all right we can i can stay around and then you kind of get to know them and i mean all that feels so um you know pretty authentic um, i hate that they are i mean in a sense you feel like that they form this connection and it is true and it wouldn't break but also it's like is this just the kind of connection that you have in a gacha chat room because you're in the same group and this is the group you're in and these are the people and you're going to come back and play this game. So you're going to be with these people. Mm, so in other words, um, once, the,
1: once the desire or the need, however it comes about for them to get the eggs, is gone, does that mean that their group is unglued? Because this is the thing that holds yeah, them together. Yeah, are they
0: going to drift apart? You know, but but they are, but at the same time, I mean, they're bonded through real, they have that real pain in common. And, you know, that's something very deep. And like you said, you can't just talk to anybody about that kind of thing. And so, yeah, I don't know. A lot of what I'm saying is contradictory, but I have a lot of contradictory feelings about the show. Um, So, but, but no, I mean, I love, I, I, I think that as a group that they are like, you know, pushing each other to be better asking each other difficult questions it's important I mean I think we talked about last time how like getting over trauma really is like you know I don't want to say 100% of the time but I feel like 99.9% of the time this group effort Mm. that like overcoming climbing that mountain by yourself is just seems so brutal, well, the, and that, like...
1: The episodes we've seen thus far have reinforced that, because, for example, in the Star of episode four, um, I fight back against the tentacle lady, the big Oxbus lady, uh, with the uh, glow sticks turned, like, you know, energy daggers, given by... The
0: lightsabers! Yeah.
1: And, of course, then there are the prayer beads, uh, that allow her to see the invisible monster in episode six. And it's like I said when I talked about it last time, uh, that it's perhaps a message or a metaphor for... Uh, you can't conquer these things alone either through solely outside help or solely inner strength it is a combination of the two that allows you to overcome these challenges um
0: totally i totally agree yeah
1: and that's even true uh, when we see other characters fighting um for example we see momoe like she is pinned down uh by the monster who puts some sort of like energy field on her um and then the girl um what was her name again i can't remember I feel bad for not remembering that. Which one? The one that Momoe is helping in the train Which yard one? at the very start of episode uh, five.
0: I think Miwa. Miwa. And, oh, in and five or four? Four, sorry,
1: Miwa it is then, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah when Mi- I think it is Miwa. It takes yes. Miwa going for- stepping forward and uh, tricking the monster in order to be able to, um, basically for her to weaponize his own... Um, God. What's, a, what's a really awful word I can use that's also uh, on point? Letcherousness, there we go. That's the one I was looking for. Yes. His all yes. letcherousness against him. Um,
0: yeah. Yeah. That, that, that is a good example to bring up. But, um, but why, why I brought up the characters versus people distinction is just because like it, to really get what I was driving at there is like, as people, like when I think about them now, I just want to protect them from everything. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. I want to be like, stop playing this game and just quit. But like as characters, right. I mean, they're fascinating and they need like, I, they ought to continue and stay together to fully explore, you know, in depth what the show has to say. And, like, not to jump too far ahead of myself, but, like, um, I think Emily Rand in a blog post about episode, I think it's about episode six, um, talks about this kind of thing when it comes to uh, Sawaki Sensei and Mm -hmm. how people are hoping he's this good person and they might be missing the point and I and I agree, um, but I think the, so that's coming from this like thinking of these characters as people where you don't want to hate this guy and you don't want these girls to go through more pain or whatever, but like the way that she, you know, rightly, you know, the argument that she rightly makes is like, you know, we just think about him as like this character and we should not be so quick to want this sort of thing because you know, stories these, these are things that can help us through our pain and trauma yeah. by like exploring them, um, and so that this kind of thing needs to be explored. And I think Sawaki is going to be a bad person we'll... now. Whether or not he's some overt monster or not, we'll have to see. But yeah,
1: we'll get to because there's a specific question on that that we'll get to a little later. But just to follow up with a brief point that came to me is that I've discussed before on this podcast about the idea of how sometimes you create characters that are not meant to be there for their own sake, but rather to serve the narrative needs of other characters, even if that is to cause them harm. Um, and so what I think people are, to borrow from Mary point there, what I think people are trying to do is they're trying to assume, not maybe not even intentionally, just just because it's how it is, they're trying to assume that he is a fully fleshed out character and that it's for his own like the like this thing where you know he's turns out to be proven good is for his own benefit. Um but no, I don't I don't see it either. I think that it needs to be understood in the terms that he he exists solely as a character to have an effect on I. Um and I think that Interesting. and I think that even up until this point where he has at least as we as far as we have present been presented, done nothing, um the fact that he still has had a powerful effect on her regardless is in of itself noteworthy. Uh, but we'll get to that.
0: Plausible deniability. Also, I, I totally think that they wanted to be good. It, I mean, I, I'm not saying that your reading is invalid, but uh, the, what, the way I thought of it was, everyone just wants to protect I. <laughs> you yeah. Know I mean, like, it, please, yeah. please uh, don't um, let this guy be the play. <laughs> uh, I, I, <laughs> you know. I, I
1: agree, and but i got that i'm gonna talk about that later because i i think sometimes we get we like talk a lot about like you know academic stuff like here's where this thing works here's where this narrative technique works but i don't talk as often as i should do about how sometimes i emotionally react to stuff uh, and i need to talk about that later because holy crap uh episode okay. six not me for six pun intended <laughs> anyway uh yeah. right next question from NS uh there's some understandable comparisons between Wonder Egg and Madoka Magica, so much so people are worried about a big dramatic shoe to drop. Uh, if the big show or the big shoe does drop, do you have confidence in the showgirls that they are strong enough to have a good or strong ending for themselves? I believe this cast has enough backbone to be okay in the end compared to Madoka Magica, especially with Neru and Rika being there. Well, the, I think the key thing to note at the start here is I think that Wonder Egg and Madoka Magica are trying to do different things. Madoka Magica like had stuff to say for example about like societal criticism particularly with I mentioned her last time because so I compared her to Rika. Why can I not remember her name? She was the redhead. What was the name of the redhead? Uh... Don't, don't
0: look
1: at me. I can't look at you. You've don't got a video gonna... feed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> don't um... listen. Don't, don't look to my voice for, for because I think I'm just going to be able to not comment on this question. It's been a decade since I've seen this show. I don't
1: know. (laughs) Uh, Fuck! You all know which one I'm talking about. She's the one who eats apples and had like her, you know, her father ran a church and started preaching his own stuff, and they basically cast him out as a heretic, and uh, they went into poverty as a result. I mean, that's a structural criticism, I I would argue. Um, But for the most part, it was a. I hate saying this; it sounds so tired talking about Madoka this way. But it was a deconstruction of Madoka. Although 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 I'm going to point, I need to put it on record. (laughs) Having watched a substantial chunk of Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon has moments that are as dark, if not darker, than what happens in Madoka, uh, yeah. especially the ending yeah. of season one. Um, so yeah, I like holy crap! Like, don't don't assume that Sailor Moon, like you know, is the tentpole of this, or well, one of the tentpoles of that of that genre. Is uh, you know all pure happy fun times where you beast up the villain every week and it's all nice and cozy. Nah 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 nah. Uh, but anyway, uh, <clears throat> so. I think we need to... In- yeah, it's Kyoko. That was it. Thank you, Fang. Fang Z in chat has just confirmed it was Kyoko. I-, I had K in my head, but at that point, like, the rest of the letters just were not filling in. It was the, um, it was the Wheel of Fortune round that just would never end in my head, basically. Um, but anyway, um, so I think we need to interrogate what um, why- what the shows are trying to do differently, which is, I think Madoka's as I say, was a dark deconstruction, but also a celebration of the joy of Magical Ghost, because it ends positively. There, are- there is light in that show. Uh, Even if it does ultimately end with, um, you know, Madoka passing in to become like, you know, this higher plane of existence, which the fans didn't take very well. uh, But then... Genrobauchi comes along and uh, basically proves the fans paid no attention to the series because the series is like you know big message was be careful what you wish for and they were all like we want Madoka back it's not fair and then oh, oops
0: <laughs> and I really like the way that ended. I, well I should say I remember really liking the way that
1: I'm sorry I'm just laughing at Genrobauchi like you know rising rebellion yeah. and basically saying oh. Oh, okay. You want it back, to you? Well, I'll do that right. then. And it oh. ruined it for everyone. And it just makes me chuckle so much because it's just such the biggest dick, like swinging dick move, like you know, karmic, <laughs> karmic ever. Uh, I'm gonna have to talk about another day anyway.
0: Madoka Magic remake?
1: Oh no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. no. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> um, yeah, I think they're trying to do different things. Like Madoka's trying to do good dark, dangerous, so it's a homage to magical girl, good magical stuff. Um, but um. One drag priority, I think, is again, I think that if I describe what this show is trying to do or trying to accomplish, I think it's trying to be um, a look at, like, you know, the systems um, and even, like, the forces that specifically harm women uh, of young and old age, uh, specifically younger age, I would say. Um, I mean, some of the stuff that I've talked about, like, with the haters, for example, applies to what happens to older women, but it's very much specifically to how it harms and destroys women's lives, both those who actually do end up taking their own life and then what's left behind, and also examines things like, you know, gender identity through Momoe, we've got capitalism through uh, Nehru and how it seems to have left her basically as a cold, emotionless person, although that admittedly is muddied by her backstory a little bit, but we will discuss that in a little bit. Potentially muddied, I say. Um, And we've got of course Rika, who has, you know, been devoured by the idol industry, Um, and it ultimately led to her lashing out in such a way that she harmed a fan, um and then i you know is struggling to deal with you know like her own her being herself being bullied uh and her being bullied led to her meeting yeah. someone who cared about but then she lost that person it only made it worse for her like she's she's worse off than when she started which is awful when i think about it um so i think that overall yeah it's meant to be like a criticism of those things and again like you know systems try, like trying to offer token relief uh rather than genuine connection and healing um so I
0: don't forget the video game industry oh, the mobile game industry oh, has a, a giant system of uh predation. I can't, I can't um, I cannot weakness.
1: I cannot yeah. wait for Rika to punch out Lyria from Granblue Blue at the end. That's going to be great. That's going to be the final <laughs> boss. Yeah. Cuz Lyria's only a tiny <laughs> lady but hey, it'll, be, it'll just be funny. Uh but anyway, point being <clears throat> um do I I mean we know how Madoka ends it ends bittersweet. Uh how do I want this to end? I'm okay with it going bittersweet as well, but for different reasons, because I don't think if I had to predict to this point, what's going to happen, I don't think Koiso's coming back. I don't think any of the people who have died are coming back. I think it is all bullshit, uh, basically. Um, it is, I mean, and only over money as well, like, which, I mean, I don't think the actors have any mon- need for the monetary value, but rather what it represents, a commitment to stagnation, to not being able to move on. Um, but I think that ultimately it will end with them staying as a group. I, I'd, I'd like to believe so, anyway. Um, and I think it will come with some acceptance where they'll be scarred by they'll they'll, they'll still have the scars, literal and otherwise, of what mm-hmm. they've been through. Um, but they won't be constantly hurting them anymore. I think. Um, yeah, I I don't even know Shadon
0: at this point. All of the girls believe. That what they're doing will lead to the resurrection mm-hmm. of of their uh, of their departed friends. I mean, you know, you have I, I think it's an episode six where uh, Rika, ironically enough, is the one who brings up the fact that she, she's considering quitting the game. Mm-hmm. Which I say it's ironic because in episode four she's clearly the one that's experiencing the most glee destroying the monsters and bosses. Um, Just a smile on her face when she's taken out the octopus thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, she's like, look, I, Mm -hmm. like, you you in particular, I mean, uh, your friend didn't even talk to you before she took her own life. Like, why do you feel this responsibility or whatever? Mm -hmm. You know, and she's like, I just basically says, like, look, I just, I want closure here. That's really what I'm after. I want to know more about all this. And maybe that's coming from this deep place again of, like, this is what she wants or believes will happen even more than, like, you know, maybe they just don't fully believe that they'll come back to life, but they got to pursue it anyway, right, out of curiosity. And then also wanting this closure. And and Nehru, I mean, who even knows if she really believes it? I mean, she, she gets these immediate benefits of not being haunted by uh, her her scar. Not oh
1: man, that can I add a quick talking point I want to bring up. I want to talk about how this this show has done a basic switch on why thought had happened to because we see her, of course, in the hospital in episode two, and then we see her recovering uh, with physiotherapy. Where she, oh she's just capable of like some assaulting through the air because the doctor said you can't do it. Oh I, I get I guess you did it. Uh, bye, <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. um, the
0: hero Yui flips. <laughs>
1: oh God! Maybe she should put back in the hospital. That's that's a big, any any hero Yui condition is like you know something you need in urgent medical treatment for.
0: Definitely need to be uh, need to be hospitalised yeah. for. Yeah,
1: but I I don't know if this is just me maybe not paying as much attention I should have done or if this was a deliberate trick on the part of the show. But either way, it produced this effect to me, which is I thought she was in the hospital because of the injuries she had sustained in the other world, but no it is a bait and switch because it turns out she's in the hospital having physiotherapy because her sister stabbed her in the back and must have dragged it down in order to have caused such a grievous, like (laughs) gaping massive wound over her spine. And I literally thought I say that it was just, Oh, she was injured because of the, I mean, that's why we see I in the hospital in episode two, you know, like it puts that association in our heads. And I think that's genius. Like, that's genius, editing, storyboarding, build-up, foreshadowing, you name it. Um, it all works to produce this moment, of, like, or to accentuate this moment of shock where you learn actually what her backstory is because we had already been making unconscious assumptions of why she was in the hospital to begin with and then it turns out, oh no, now with the high benefit of hindsight, uh, she was there all along because her sister nearly left her, and I don't know if this is necessarily the correct use of the term, so I apologise if it's not, but nearly after a paraplegic. Like, holy shit. Just insane.
0: That's, that scene where we see the scar is wild.
1: Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: It's gruesome. Yeah.
1: Horrific stuff.
0: Uh, but I don't have anything more to add about Monica. So, next question.
1: Next question. Uh, the next question is coming from Kate Rose. Why do you think, spoiler tag, I decide to go back to school? <laughs> oh, boy.
0: lol <laughs> <Lulled. laughs>
1: The mathematics <laughs> is... classes. Clearly, she wants to do some long division. No.
0: The lunch. No. You know, no. she's like, mom's cooking is just, I've had enough. No. <laughs> need the cafeteria. She is... pork.
1: Okay, we need context for this, and the context makes me depressed. <gasps> because it's, it is like her going back to school should be like something where we go, yes, this is unambiguously a good thing. I'm so proud of her. Uh, and no, no. I, I can't be. I can't be. I really can't. Because um, Godam Nehru, she she drops uh, you know her latest TV tropes uh, reading moment, which is Occam's Razor. <laughs> uh, you know, she got that straight off a wiki. Uh, Occam's Razor, of course, being the simplest solution is usually the correct one. And she points out, again, with this precision that she is you know, been built up to have, I, do you have a thing for Mr. Sawaki? And Rika has a reaction that is amazing, and I'm glad. It, I, it I'm glad it's there because it somehow feels like. I know it's probably not necessarily appropriate for her to make that reaction something as serious as that. But holy crap, that was such a oh. that was such a bombshell. I was like, ah.
0: It was also so Rika to sort of view this through the lens of like some TV drama.
1: Yeah, pretty, uh, you're actually that is such an amazing term for it, You're 100 right. Um, but. Amoy. Um, hey <laughs> Uh this, by the way, for context so you know, is not um Momoe's uh, left at this point because they of course were continuing to say that, you know, he is clearly um you know Sawaki clearly is a you know, was preying on uh, Koito and now has turned his attention to I. And as a family member, she doesn't want to believe that. Um this also I suspect might be why some people are uh, like you know, we they take Momoe's perspective. There is an in-show perspective that he is innocent. Um, which yeah. I think it's the show's credit it puts there. But part, I agree, but part I agree me, and I
0: feel bad for Momoe.
1: Yeah, um, Parmi also thinks that it would be good if it did more, because I, I have a feeling that might be that, th- I want, to, I want to do more with Momoe in terms of that connection, like, where we see her maybe interact with, with so- uh, Soaki like, you know, elsewhere, just as, like, a normal family thing, it can just be, like, as a red herring moment. But we're not. We're obviously, of course, only halfway through the show, so that's moot.
0: Yeah. Oh, I guess like what the show. So my two cents on why that hasn't happened is I believe that the the, the implicit uh, kind of thing in the show uh, m- m- sort of communicated through the way they frame almost every scene he's in, if not every scene, is that he is a bad, <laughs> mm. and so they don't want to like muddy those waters i think yeah even though i mean and this is something that like you know if you're a family member you might not be able to see you know you've grown up with the guy or whatever but like we the audience like the way that we're i mean we're seeing we're showing him like you know hugging koito an appropriate like uh drawing and painting i like in a way that feels um like invasive and, and like the way that he greeted her before the announcement like She's just come out of the bath, and she has a towel on her oh, head. Ugh. And you, we don't see the fact that she's fully closed right away. We just see towel emerge from bath, cut to him, greeting her, cut back to her. And then we see... So it's like framed in this way where it feels yucky and invasive, and I think it's supposed to feel that oh, way. Uh, he, he has, even though there's nothing explicitly he's done, he, he, can, he can hold his hands up.
1: He's, be, he's way too comfortable. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that eventually. Uh, because I want to try and avoid talking about it for as long as possible. Uh, but anyway, uh, no. Um, God, so uh, yeah, space. We have
0: to talk about it now, though, right? Because the school question.
1: There's a question specifically about it later, but this is just why I is going back to school, so we'll just do this, and then we'll come back to that later. Uh, okay. But Kate asks, "Why do you think I go back to school?" She's going back to school not to study, but because she has realized uh, after a scene which I think is cuttingly authentic to how I think a lot of people f- feel when they re- realize I'm in in true, I'm in love with or attracted or romantically interested in this person I really know I shouldn't be. Where she screams like when fighting the invisible monster, like you know, I'm not, I'm not like. But she's crying, and I think it's just like the last. I think it feels like the last desperate proclamations of defiance before accepting the truth of it um but yeah she she's going back to school because she's now because it's a place where she can spend more time and be more close to him be in proximity um uh, yeah.
0: imagine those complicated feelings right I mean because you know you you see him with um koito and you and, and We don't even know the full extent of what she knows about the two of them together or what she's subconsciously buried. I mean, maybe they were a thing, right? And that hurts you. But, like, then Koito dies and you're like, you know, fuck you, Sawaki, you had something to do with this. But you also have these, like, romantic feelings for him because he's very nurturing or whatever. It's, like, uh, just a lot. And so I totally get why she ran away from it and then... Yeah, like you said, has this epiphany. Yeah, and she runs to him, and like you see, I, th- I believe, <laughs> I think Emily, who's our flower language expert in the field, uh, uh, in the field. cryptically uh, tweeted, uh, uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> cryptically tweeted something about this if she hasn't already like written explicitly about it. But like, I think that there's Mary Gold,
1: yes, there like are
0: on the path that she's. They're uh, in the river, running.
1: they're in the river or a puddle of water or something like that.
0: And those things, I think, can mean both, like, romantic love, but also, like, death or something quite dark. And I feel like this is the show going, like, you feel this, but this is not the road you want to go down. This is pain. Yeah, This is bad. There's
1: there's two things I want to know about that scene as well that I found really grim. Um, One of which was... um, we of course mentioned how, like, you know, he comes into I's apartment, uh I and Bob's apartment, and she's getting out of the bathroom, and she is not, she's she's clothed, but she's obviously like in a state, she's not like properly fully clothed, like, you know what I mean? Um, and uh, vulnerable, vulnerable, clearly vulnerable, vulnerable, yeah. And like, you know, he of course has that familiarity. It, like, he comes in just like business. She's like, "Hey there," not like, "Oh Jesus, I'm so sorry. Uh, I'll 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 turn away. You you go get yourself sorted and just let me know when you're ready." Like. A normal person would, you know. He's way too familiar with it. But the thing is, when I Igo's running out to find him, uh, it's through the rain. She's again wearing, like, you know, shorts and a t-shirt, and that's really about it. And there's a visual, like, parity between these two states where before it was like, no, and now it is yes. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Oh. And also, I need to note, like, of course, there's a very small moment where he says goodbye to two girls who also seem very overly familiar with him. Like, bye, Mr. Swacky. I and I'm just like...
0: Oh. Did they call him like a nickname or something? Yeah. Ugh. Which is like, I mean, it's like, I mean, I guess, like, so this is what makes the... This is what makes him such a good case study of someone who I think is going to turn out to be this abusive person. is like, there's some things he does that, like done in different contexts or with different people, are okay. But it's like he just has no, does not have the boundaries. Is not setting up those kind of boundaries that other people would. These healthy boundaries between the vulnerable and the powerful, the student and the teacher, the adult and the child.
1: Why the fuck is he? Why um, the fuck is he drawing an eye in that one scene? I'm sorry. Is there's not something a bit suspect just, about that.
0: It's bad, yeah, yeah. I mean, because what he what he will say, right? Is like, I'm just trying to give her more confidence about her heterochromia. Is that what it's called? Um, the two different eye colors. I want you to have confidence.
1: Um, I'll know. I'll know by the way. But that... it
0: still feels so like it's this like it's violating her own.
1: Yeah, you, you know what's funny? Um, but now that you brought it up, I want to mention that um, in the film "The Shape of Water," there is an artist who. Um, draws, um, the fish person, you know, and all that. And he is capturing, like, the beauty of this otherwise alien creature, you know, like, everyone thinks is disgusting. Whereas previously, all he was asked to do was draw these, like, 1950s stylized, you know, like, nuclear family Americana stuff, like, I mean, I mentioned Fallout on one of the, uh, Fallout New Vegas, for example, on one of the recent, um, Bill's Last Talk pods we did. And it's that kind of art style. It's, you know, it's that 1950s kitsch, where everyone's very rosy cheeks, it's all perfect, pristine sterile clinical false uh but what i'm seeing here with him drawing eye is the exact opposite because she is a character defined by color she is of course mentioned to be like a sunflower you know and all that she wears bright yellow clothing she has you know different colored eyes color and vibrancy is a defining part of her but he's drawing her in grayscale pencil Ugh. god damn it yeah
0: there's something and some... like the, th- the the thing that was the on top of all this like such a huge gut punch to me when koito tells her oh what you don't feel confident about him drawing you for that he's going to enter in this competition you don't feel confident you should drop out because his career is on the line
1: yeah be like
0: koito koito like your friend is uh it's hurting here. Yeah. <laughs> She's well, in a vulnerable I, position. I
1: should mention Yukinon's brought up in the chat like it's a sketch, uh, to which my counsel would be it didn't have to be. He could have been doing an oil painting. It could have been written, you know, however... what. He's
0: going to do a painting from the sketch, mm. is the implication. Like, he's gonna? he's got the easel there, and he's going to enter the painting in the competition, but he wants to do a rough sketch, I think. A rougher
1: sketch. hmm Okay, fair enough. Um... Yeah, like that's basically she. She's going back to school, but it ain't to learn, and it's for the wrong reasons. And that, that... I
0: don't even know. Sorry, go ahead. You go no, ahead. no, Karen. I was just gonna say, like, who knows if that's what she had planned to say to him, right? As like, because uh, the way everything is shot, it feels like she's gonna do some kind of love confession. Uh-huh. But thankfully, you know, she's like, "I'm going back to school," and no, like, the second time I watched it, what really kind of Twisted the knife a little bit. It was, you know, she's like, I'm going back to school. And then brushes the hair that's falling into her blue eye out of the way to reveal her heterochromia. Whereas she's been so careful to hide it because up to this point, she's been so kind of, um, you know, embarrassed of it. It's been the source of bullying and everything. But for whatever reason, she's feeling such confidence in that moment to show it to the world. And, And this guy has told her you know, your eyes, give you give you character, give you soul, whatever he said, and it's like, it's a good thing, you should be confident about it. I don't want him to be, I don't want him to be the reason she gains confidence. You know what I mean? But, like, again, it's... But, it... You know, sadly, like, it rings true to the way, you know, these things can play out in real life. Like, it, it, this, there's something good that she's taken from this otherwise you know what looks like to be a pretty bad relationship um, and I-, I hope that it is the foundation of that confidence is from her interaction with her friends and that that's the real source of it but well, she's the one you know, well, the funny
1: thing is in, in she's actually the one providing that to Momoe when Momoe of course like she starts crying uh, as yep. after after leaving Rika and uh, Nehru behind after they meet for the first time and I just literally says like no you look you look great, I think you're a cute girl, you know, uh, she's the one, yeah. she gives her honest and earnest confidence, for, you know, from the heart, but she, well, she needs a source of that back from somewhere else that's other than that guy. Ah! Uh.
0: Yeah, it's what I want it to be, it's what I want it to be, I wanted her to have it within herself, from her friends, you know, but like, uh, but, you know, like I said, this doesn't feel false, it doesn't feel forced, it does. It feels like a, a like, Everything about Sawaki and the way he affects I and interacts with him has this like almost biographical sort of feel to it. Of like, yeah, this is how a relationship like this would play out, and it's gonna go bad. <laughs> and but but you know, and like I said, as thinking about I the as a as a real person or like as sort of a archetype of a real person out there in the world, you don't want them to go through it. But this is. This is pain and trauma and like, and everything that needs to be that that should be explored through art and a portrait of uh, of uh, an abuser that should be made uh, explicit yeah. again, because like we said last time, they're not all horrible monsters. There are people that other people like, there are people that love other people and belong to these families, you know, mm-hmm. so it's
1: they're not cartoon characters for lack of a better term. Yeah. Okay, next question. Um, what did you think when Rika points out they could just stop buying eggs was that really a feasible option um <clears throat> yes
0: 100%
1: feasible absolutely but i mean the thing is like it's a, the thing about gacha games is that there is always an out it is like it's not it is an addiction you know it is it is, operates the same way as smoking you know the physic like you you no one's physically putting the cigarette in your mouth and lighting up you do that yourself but it is a chemical reaction like you know or ment like a it could even be emotion- mental or emotional instability, maybe, uh, for whatever reason that caused you to do that. Um, so, and I think the reason that Rika is the one who says that is because she's the one who, for lack of a better phrase, has the least skin in the game, because she has openly admitted that, you know, she didn't really like, um, I forget her name. I'm so bad at remembering names. Uh, Chiemi. Chiemi. yes, <laughs> Chiemi. thank you. Like, she didn't really, like, you know, care all that much about Chiemi. Like, um, and sometimes I get the impression she's doing this because it feels like, an obligation <clears throat> rather than like, you know, something out of genuine altruism. Mm. Um so for her, like she's probably the one who's most likely to quit. Um I think Emily Randers knows as well that she's also the one with the least financial capability. I mean she's the one literally taking money from her people. Um so in terms of quitting that's also a right. kind of, like a thing that right. would make it easier for her to get out. Whereas Nehru is the one who has the most money by far. Uh, and of course is the most laser focused on doing it. Um but yeah I, I would argue it is it's very easy for them to quit in terms of we just stop going. Like, the hackers are not forcing them to be there. They're not trapped. Yeah. Um, And I think, yeah. And I think, by the way, it would be a great disservice to this show if it did that. There always needs to be that out because that's the truth of gacha games. There's always the out. There's always just, you delete the app and that's the end of it. It's always about your own, you know, willpower. Um, But also, of course, the greatest of, well, I say greatest, the, the most predatory gacha games are the ones that, make you, don't even make you realise that you're in one. And the girls certainly don't, for lack of a better term, and Rika's the closest who, person who came along to thinking that. Um But yeah, I would say feasible, but incredibly difficult, because they don't even realise that they're a part of this, like, you know, predatory system at the moment. Yeah.
0: The hooks are in them all at this point, and... <clears throat> Excuse me. And, um I mean, the Akas are so fucking smart and devious about how they... Um, how they manipulate them i mean they make that stuff very explicit at the end of episode five when you know they once rika has her outburst and stuff they tell him no you you don't have to you don't have to come if you don't want to it's it's good you're good and then in this conversation they have with each other which seems really loud and like the girls could hear it. hello hi there can you hear me (laughs) (laughs) they're like yeah man we did this uh to play on their psychologies, a little bit of the old well, reverse psychology, I... right? Where you say, like, no, 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 you
1: don't have to do anything, you don't have to play. Oh, it's fine. It's like, like, I yeah. don't mind, And really. they say, like,
0: because they are, you know, they fall into our target demo, oh, we Jesus. know they're going through their rebellious phase, <laughs> and they feel like going against <laughs> this sort of uh advice to not play Ah, uh, they will do that because they they quote unquote know they believe they'll build up their own identities by making this decision that's contrary to the advice they receive, and it's this really sophisticated way of manipulating them. And yeah. you know they do it they do it prior when they give them like the free bowling game. Well, I mean, the, the, yes. the Gacha games are always throwing out the fucking free free weekend, double XP, free summon. You know, it's, get a pull, yeah. get two pulls for the price of one, like.
1: Well, it's it's and not, it's not even, it's, that
0: keeps them in the ecosystem.
1: Yeah, it's not even just that. Like, I mean, like regular Akka's, um reaction is, of course, like you had the one game and that's it, which is the free in comparison in any catch game that you'd mention. Um, yeah, and then of course, Urak is like, no, go nuts. But the thing is, like, I thought that was extra insidious, not just because of, of what you said. Like, you know, that they're basically doing a free weekend kind of thing where they get to, you know, have their own, like have their own fun uh, in this arcade. But they're in an arcade. They're playing games that are inherently competitive by nature. And that is, I'm not, this is not me dunking on arcades. I love them. Um, oh,
0: that's interesting. I hadn't thought about this. This is a really good point.
1: I had, because, uh, you know, arcades are cool and all that but bear in mind that this isn't this is not like you know when i go to an arcade with friends and play like fighting games or whatever you know or we go on ridge racer uh, in fact no, i didn't say right. <clears> that. ridge racer there we are i'm sorry you, you can't it is it is internet culture law that you have to say ridge racer like that um but what i mean yeah. to say is like they are like that's you know go ahead and compete with each other all you want you know like even just that's what i said before like about this little sinister thing like Gaslighting again is not mm, the big grand mm-hmm. moments of like the the monster in Episode 4 it is the little bits. Keep fostering an environment of competition. Because I mean, yeah. let me ask you this question, Doc. Let, let let me chuck my own one in very quickly. Um what do you think the reaction would be if and this if any one of the girls brought back one of their friends, if that literally happened before the others did? Can you imagine what a uh, th-
0: Oh my god that
1: would be that would be <laughs> That would oh my I can't even comprehend the devastation that would wreak on their group.
0: That'd be wild, yeah. yeah.
1: That would be insane. Yeah, I can't even imagine. I mean, I could see. I, for example, like beat like if it wasn't Kaito, uh, like I would be so full, Like, why have I not? Why, why, why have I done wrong? Is it is it my fault? You know, because people when they don't like you know when they go so long about us, what they see as a streak of luck, uh, the gambler's fallacy, that whole thing, um, they start blaming themselves. I mean, I think there must be something wrong with them. You know, but woofed. Uh, so yeah. um, there's a lot of little details I really appreciate in the show. Like, it's not... Again, it's not the, just the big thing. It's the little stuff. Um, okay. Uh, so, next question. Why do you think I refuses to ask uh, why Koito died and continues to risk herself in the egg game? Um, this is one of two things. Because there was comparisons to Madoka before, and if there's one thing I can directly talk about that I think is the case here, um, and is being portrayed in different ways with the girls, is their reasoning for doing this as stated to everyone else versus the real reason, the truth of it. And we had that in Madaka, for example, with Sayaka saying, Hey, you know what? I'm going to give this boy, I like his voice back. Now, is she doing that for him? No, as it turns out, she's doing it for herself because she likes him and thinks he'll be making, you know, indentured in gratitude to her, even though she never really could say that this weird little like rabbit creature uh, that's actually a soul-devouring alien. Uh, you know, g- gave her the means to do that. But that's—we're not here to talk about Malika. So, I think that with the best will in the world, when I say this, I—I th- I do think I is genuinely a caring person. Um, I don't think she's doing it purely for the altruistic reason of bringing Koito back. She's actually said as much that she wants to know why Koito died. But I think that is probably more for her own benefit, even though like she never admit that openly. Uh, and this is why Nehru, like this is why I said before, like Nehru like might seem callous and cold about, you know, saying, I'm bringing my sister back uh to find out, but I don't otherwise care that she's dead really, you know.
0: Um I don't even know if she cares. why wa- cares if she comes back, right? Well that's yeah, she, star yeah. not to ache.
1: Yeah, she just she <laughs> wants she wants to know basically for that. Um well Grumpy Cloud's saying I've spoiled Madaka, but Madak's been out for ten years now, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> um but anyway point point being yeah point being um also that happens in the earlier episodes it's fine um it's okay <laughs> so the point being though is i think that there are stated reasons that the characters give for why they're doing it versus the real rika of course like you know we've already established that she wears armor around herself like if anything she might very well actually care more about jemmy than she ever has less on to us or the rest of them thus far why else do it um, but also she could very well literally just be that close to you because she doesn't care anymore. Um, and then, of course, like, you know, as I say, Nehru, like, her honesty about why she's doing this is refreshing, even if it is very cold, like, and it is clearly not for the benefit of her sister at all. It's just for her own. Um, for Ai, um it could very well be, as I say, that, like, I think that a part of it, this doesn't have to be mutually exclusive, I think a part of it might well be that she wants to know for her own sake to, like, you know, to ease her own anxieties and not necessarily for bringing Koito back. I could be both, but um, I don't think it's entirely, I don't think it's certainly purely altruistic. I think that there is some element in there of personal gain from bringing Koito back, In just at least in terms of putting these demons of hers to bed.
0: Yeah, and I think, I think she deserves closure, mm-hmm. um, and before we get too far from more moderate talk, I just feel like I can't believe I haven't said this before now. I feel obligated to say Meduka become Meguka. Oh my um, god. And could you repeat the question, uh, Shadon, so I can
1: why do you th- so I can remember. Why do you think I refuses to ask why Kaito died and continues mm, to ask I okay, consider herself in the end game?
0: Yeah, so I think because while she wants to know he doesn't want to know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can I can imagine... I mean, God forbid this ever happens. I'm going to knock on this wood over here for, superstition, uh, for superstition's sake. Uh, I don't know, say my partner left me. Mm-hmm. Um, I would both want to know and not want to know why. Um, I can see lingering on, like, before I press the last digit of the phone number or open the door because... Even though I want to know, I don't want to know. Mm-hmm. I feel like th- this kind of conflict is is present in her. And because the person that she has to ask is Sawaki, who we've discussed, there's all these really messy, complicated feelings going on there. Mm-hmm. And he clearly has a power over her. Um And so, like you said, in the egg game, I mean, she's kind of, to some, I mean, she's not in control, but she feels like she has more control, I think. Whereas like she wouldn't in the other case and then again like i said at the beginning i think it's just maybe she doesn't want to know and i think that's part of why she sort of um is going back to school is because she's realized she's really made a commitment to herself like i do want to know this i'm i'm ready to know i mean and that's sort of made explicit in the metaphor with the prayer beads right because you can't really see the big boss that she's fighting in the beginning but she takes a step forward and grabs the The prayer beads to see what uh, what was not seen before. What and she chooses that she has to grab the prayer beads herself Mm
1: -hmm. to make
0: that known and visible. Yep. So yeah,
1: hundred percent. Next question: What was the meaning of increasing the egg difficulty and then handing out those charms, especially on the heels of the girls discussing quitting the game? Well, having been a World of Warcraft player, I can uh, you know I can explain it thusly, which is the game gets stale. The game, you know, runs out of appeal. Oh,
0: I forgot. That's such a good point. Like, I forgot that the relationship, like the the chronological relationship there, like that they gave them that stuff after they had that discussion.
1: Wow, that's God. (laughs) Those fuckers. But yeah, it's basically, they basically unleashed the expansion pack. There are new enemies. (laughs) uh, You know, (laughs) there are new... The Lich King. There are new tools here um what they of course have not explained uh or given any reassurance rush mode. oh bloody hell uh they've not even given of course any reassurance um or you know uh in like any indication that anything will change with terms like when will my, when will my friend come back sign the patch notes tough shit <laughs> <laughs>
0: you know? Other bug fixes, yeah. That's, but
1: basically, but it's, basic, but that, it's right? like it's like any gacha game or any other game for that matter that relies on a perpetual subscription, like an MMO, which is over time it gets stale. We need to add new content, uh, particularly when you know, like I think also part of it is that when you've invested so much time in a game, the lot, like I think this is particularly true of MMOs, and I can speak from my own experience here. The longer you play alone, never mind what content you get, the, the harder it is to get out. So by keeping them in the game as long as possible, by up changing these new elements around, that in itself, just a, a duration thing, a time invested thing, is um, a means of keeping them playing because they will think, well, I've, I've done it this long, what's the harm? I mean, if you've ever, for example, sat down to slot machine and you'd put like 50 coins worth in and you've got nothing, uh, I guarantee you, you will be more likely to play um, another couple of coins than if you played, say, like 10 and you'd run out. You feel like That's how it works. Yeah, it'll happen. It'll happen soon. I'm, it's the gambler's fallacy. You know, I like, do. Yeah, I'm due. the gambler says, yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm due." Like you know, I've got one hundred chances of winning. I've done a hundred. Uh, I've done a hundred t- uh, pulls of this lever. Where, where's my stuff? And then you pull it on the hundred one, you still don't get. And you're like, that doesn't make any sense. But it doesn't work like that. It's one hundred every time. That's how probability works. Uh, of course, I think the probability of Koiso and anyone else coming back is a big fat one in never. So <laughs> there we go. Yeah yeah oh dear oh dear oh dear uh right next question now that we have reached the middle part of the show please make some wild guesses about where you think the final six episodes will go and how you think this all ends uh none of the dead people are coming back i'm calling that now uh the girls will all end up fighting their own um helpers in the end um that chameleon is going to turn into something that looks like godzilla but a bit more pulpy and a bit more (gasps) more colorful um what i there's something i want to see as well and this ties into a point that i'll get into in a little bit i really really want to see i and her mother have a proper heart to heart about what happened with koito i don't know if that would even necessarily be a good thing for the show but it's how i felt it. like this this was part of like my big emotional reaction people
0: you'd like to see that right Yeah, yeah yeah i
1: i want i mean i just want to see that happen i mean I talked about this in our Discord, and um, the feeling I got at the end of Episode 6 was surprisingly uh, something I felt when I first watched a film called This Is England, um, which is a film about a 12-year-old boy named Sean in the early 80s, I think it is, from my memory. Um, And the the backstory, basically, is he's a British kid. Uh, His dad went off and died in the Falklands War, um, and he's still processing his grief over that, so he's still got his mother, of course. Uh, He is bullied at school, so you can already see some broad similarities here building up Um, but what happens is that uh, he falls in line with a gang of uh, punks and anarchists Um, and they're all like you know, looking after him at first like he's found a place to belong, even his mother like is okay with it, kind of Um, but what then happens is that uh, a member of the gang who was in prison, who is a full-blown white nationalist uh, and far-righter uh, gets out, comes back in. He starts infiltrating, like well, not even infiltrating, like he just starts converting the gang uh, to his line of thinking, ejecting people who don't fall in line, uh, that kind of thing. And Sean, of course, is pulled along with it, and it all goes horribly wrong. Um, and there's a scene at the end where Sean and his mother, like after this has all happened, uh, they just have a talk about what's ha- ha- like what's gone on, uh, you know, and they embrace and they heal, they, they, you know, they heal a little bit and. It, like for a film where much of it I was going like this shouldn't be happening to this poor fucking kid this is awful I hate it and well no surprise why I'm feeling about I right now just this shouldn't be happening to this poor fucking kid I hate it <laughs> um, like it, brought, it reminded me of that and, and it made and it made me feel very sad in the closing moments of episode 6 because I thought this is only going to get worse before it gets better and I just really really want her mum to try and reach out for her I want them to connect a little bit and just to you know for her to like holder and say like I'm so sorry you're going through all of this. I had no idea. Um that kind of thing. I mean it left me it left me mm. in a real mood after I'd after I'd watched it this week. I felt awful. Mm. And it's not and it wasn't even because like I felt like I'd been through something else in my own life because I haven't. Uh, but if well I mean like that's what I said before like about how we could talk all day about how this show works for, in terms of its animation, it's music, you name it, but it caused a profound emotional reaction in me and not many shows do that and that's why this is going to stick with me even after I've stopped discussing all the other merits that this show has because I really really fucking felt for it I was like oh my god this is awful I hate it I hate yeah. it I hate, I hate it and it's not that oh I hate this because this show is dog shit uh, no this yeah. is a deliberately intentional uh, you know thing that this show is pulling on me I'm like you bastards I thought I'd got rid of my emotions long ago. I thought I'd hauled them out and chucked them away. Uh, best get, best get myself booked into the operation again. Uh,
0: uh, the unit four, this is uh, Doc. We have a sighting of art. Art has infiltrated <laughs> Watery Dash show. Art has emerged. We've got, yeah, a, I mean, this is...
1: we've got a code red. A code red. Shaden's experiencing emotions. A code red. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's
0: that's fucking good art, man. Uh, it like, I... connects with you in like...
1: Gordon Ramsay. It's Gordon. Gordon Ramsay. Finally, some good fucking nah- <laughs> <laughs> art. <clears throat> um,
0: <laughs> oh boy, what was the cr-
1: now, now, now? now that we've reached. Oh, the
0: speculation. The speculation. Wild, rampant speculation. Um, Go. So I'm. I'm notoriously shit at this. Um. So I'm not going to do it. But what I am going to use this space to do, uh, is. I'm going to throw a wild theory about some things that have already happened in these episodes at New Shadon. Uh-oh. Uh, and see what you think. I mean, it's, it's <laughs> like probably not the case, but I just sort of thought about it and I couldn't stop thinking about it. Um, all right, let me see if I can get you to agree to a few premises before I lay out all my conclusion Do is. Do I
1: soon. need to call my lawyer first? <clears throat>
0: You uh no. You'd have to represent yourself in this. Okay, in this fine.
1: Time to draw up all my knowledge of Phoenix right. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. hmm Get out the suit and the briefcase.
1: Okay. Alright.
0: Um premise one. Time moves differently within the realm of the gacha game when they're when they're there. Versus time in the real world. Do you agree? I think that's already been established, I believe. It happens, three, it, it
1: happens but... when they dream, uh, so yes. Okay,
0: yeah, yeah, they talk about time, a lot of time passing in that space, but not on the outside. Um, two, that the story by the midpoint of episode five is not, at least in episodes five and six, being told in an entirely linear fashion.
1: No, I mean, we get bits with Nero like, you know, in flashbacks. Plus, also, Nero's fight uh, with the monster disguised as a person. Although, she, I think, in my very, no, actually, was the proper girl, but she just shot them anyway, and didn't that took out the monster as well by proxy. Um, but that fight could have, in theory, happened um, not at any time, but it could have been moved around in terms of the show's chronology. Um,
0: Yeah, well, I just mean within the space of the episode, like there are events that happen with Nehru. Some of them happen before the fight, and some of them happen after, but the fight is interspliced. So the chronology is a little bit all over the place. Same with I in episode six. I think the opening shot is of her in the bath, thinking about all the things. And then, you know, you have the shot at the end of her in the bath, getting out and running. Um, and in the same way like it kind of hops around so like yeah linearity is not a thing yeah. so uh, we both we agree on that
1: yeah but i think what we mean we need to be clear when we say non-linear we don't mean as in terms of like you know the actual timeline is jumping around randomly uh but rather it's no. we're talking cinematically here like tarantino
0: presentation tarantino mm-hmm. everyone knows yes. tarantino
1: loves his non-linear shit basically the same just here
0: Exactly. There's nothing funky going on with time. It's just the events are presented Not in chronological fashion. Not yet. Though. Not yet. Oh boy. So, okay. Having established those, here's the crazy theory. Uh oh. The girl that Nehru shot is the same girl that Momoe protected in episode four. Okay, here's the full explanation. So, let's say, for the sake of argument, that what Momo does for Miwa is, in fact, bringing her back from the brink of death. Mm-hmm. Right? Time is moving differently here. So perhaps what happens if you save a girl in the game is they have a near-suicide attempt in the real world. but they... Do in fact, come back to life.
1: Ah, uh, okay. In a manner
0: of speaking, right? But they just don't die. Their suicide's unsuccessful. Well, what if all the bullshit that her abuser was feeding her about females having expiration dates and my wife, Ooh. I don't care about her, you are at, you are at the mm-hmm. pinnacle of beauty and you are the one who is, uh, who I want now and you want me to want you because you're flowering. The blue... And then you have the girl that Nehru, is has, you know, the girl that's taken her life that neighbor is attempting to say, has those very same ingrained opinions that like, the reason I killed myself was I'm never going to be more beautiful than I am right now. And so why I mean, look at my mom, she's trying to like beautify herself and stop the aging process. This is hideous. I don't want to do this. So I'm just gonna die. Why don't you die? You're really pretty. Um, and so yeah, I just found those two. I think it's because I found those two lines of thought between there was one from the abuser. To a young girl and then an older girl that doesn't look very dissimilar. I mean, we don't even see her eyes, they're behind sunglasses. Whoa. To Miwa, who is net who is uh, the victim, but also putting pressure on Nehru. Um, she has that same that those same ideas. So it just struck me and I was like, Oh my god. <laughs>
1: this would be wild. I can't even <laughs> I can't immediately disprove it. Um if it happens, I think that we're gonna to need to get the air horns out. That's all I can say. Like, it it could be... I
0: don't think it'll ever be verified as true by the show. <laughs> Let me just say that. It's just a... Uh, it's Galaxy brain, no, it oh, works. Mind.
1: It works. All right. Um, we're actually almost out of time. Um, so, do you... Have to for, ask...
0: for me, are there more questions?
1: There are, and I can answer them solo in that case, then.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know if I have more... Really big points to bring up. I think I've talked a lot about the big issues I want to talk about. I'm scrolling through my notes to um to see if there is anything. And I mean I don't I don't think there are any other huge, big talking points I have. So yeah, unfortunately I have to leave a little early today. So, rate, Don rate, rate is the ep- going to... Rate
1: the episodes before you go,
0: though. I'll get... Oh, okay, okay, okay. Uh, this is the usual spiel. Um, I'm going to say... I'm going to give these episodes... Oh, man. They were really good. I'm going to give these episodes... 4.75 dual-wielding lightsabers out of 5. As it should be. I think I think these were phenomenal. He's continued the trajectory of the show. The show uh, continues to, like, handle what it's handling with, I in a nuanced way. With with care, I guess, maybe that's not the right way I want to say, but it's not dropping the ball. It's not breaking the old egg, as it were.
1: <laughs> um, it's not going all humpsy-dumpsy.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's, you know... still chances for it to do so but i think for now it's still proves to be this really thoughtful exploration of pain and trauma and uh like you said a systemic critique of all these different uh structures that uh either directly prey on women or simply just refuse to help them
1: disenfranchise disempower them yep even little things Even little things.
0: So thank you, everybody, for for hanging out. And I'm going to let Shadon take it from here. Um, Goodbye. Good night. Bring back the brothers.
1: See you later, Doc. Take care, mate. Okay. uh, Doc's picture has now vanished, I'm afraid. Uh, He does still exist. I have not deleted him from the world. Uh, And you're now stuck with me flying solo for a little while, so um, I'm terribly sorry about that. Uh, I'll try not to make this dry and boring like a video essay, if at all possible, uh, because I have been guilty of doing that before. Um, But anyway, anyway, we do have a final round of questions, um, after which I have some small points to make, but nothing major that we haven't already covered. Um, So the final bunch of questions comes from Son of Racken. What are your current thoughts of Sawaki and his potential intentions? (sighs) Pfft. He is he, as we've said before, he is too familiar. He has no sense of like boundaries. I mean, the scene that was mentioned, of course, of him um and you know, him coming in and I is coming out of the bathroom and she's still towel drying. Uh, you know, and he's just like, oh hi. Uh and on oh, not even I he's just like hi uh, as opposed to, oh god, I'm so sorry. Like Yeah, there's there's something deeply like Deeply too familiar about how he interacts with her. And here's the thing, right? I know that people have been saying, like, uh, you know, I don't want him to turn out to have been, you know, be a bad person because I don't want Ice to suffer. And look, I do agree. I don't want Ice to suffer either. It hurt me enough in the most recent episode. That fucking sucks. Um, But I'm going to postulate an idea for you here. Something to think about, which is if... um, Let's let's just hypothetically say that nothing ever actually happens between Sawaki and I. But nor do they ever come to an understanding. Like there is no reconciliation. There's no, there's no uh, scene, for example, like from Scum's Wish. Uh, I can't remember the name of the lead character where she confesses her feelings to her sensei at the end. You know, and she starts crying and all that. Um, but nonetheless, like I think what we need to be clear on here is that even by him doing nothing really. Uh, his behavior and his actions have produced this profound response in I that is not for the best. Is not for her betterment. Um, and I think that if the show did that, I think that could actually be an incredibly uh, brave and interesting way of showing how the differences between, like you know, gender roles, gender stereotypes, um, you know, ingrained attitudes that genders have, like how even little micro things can have a profound impression on people um, for the negative. Um, so that could be interesting as for his intentions god it could very well also be that he is literally just trying to get with Ai's mother in order to get closer to Ai which is just yeah, oh, god but I think also like I should note that the show has been very good in making this ambiguous I mean there are like things that we can point to uh, certainly in terms of his behaviour his over familiarity with things the fact he was fucking drawing her for no good reason that i can think of anyway um but ah, god like i god my, my train of thought's going off the rails here how how problematic <clears throat> but like um yeah i god if he if he is even going that far like you know just to try and do that and then get close to i in the end um the show has been very good at being like not ambiguous like there's no we don't get any scenes for example of him on his own like cackling to himself like Meh, I'm going to get my way with her or having a conversation with someone like it's all very minor there are certainly warning signs but we're not seeing anything over It's plate subtly and i think that really can i think that really just speak to how like you know there are people out there who are like that not everyone's like a hater or a scene or evil where there's cackling monsters or indeed like the actual bosses which are absolute cartoon caricatures of all these attitudes that they posit they posit forward like you know the the one guy who looks like krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> you know say talking about capitalism being a give and give thing uh, sorry a take and take thing um there are some people like swaki who if he is indeed you know of the vibranium of the fact that I am saying if he is actually a bad person, can cloak themselves in a veneer of respectability um, and normalcy uh, that allows them to be the prices they are. Next question from Rackham is, which of the four girls do you feel you can personally relate to most at this point? Unambiguously, undoubtedly for me, that is I. And I can tell you, speaking from my own experience, um... No one I know in Worry Dash Show, not Doc, uh, not uh, people in chat, not uh, Valerie, uh, not any of the guests we've had on, anyone at all, knows me from when I was younger. Uh, Everything that they know is stuff I've told secondhand, and I would contend that I am always the same person I have been, and people have told me as much, but I'm also not, because Prior to me turning the age of 16, I was incredibly introverted. I never really wanted to go out and socialise with people. I spent most of my time playing on the PC. I got bullied a lot. I did not feel... um, God, this feels like I should be doing this on this brown couch over here. I do actually have a brown couch. This could be, you know, therapy for me. (laughs) But um, I, you know, I was very much like the inwards-facing person. Um, I didn't even really interact with my family all that much. Um, I just kept to myself. I just wanted to be left alone. Um, I did not want to go out and explore the world, uh, which still has its effects on me to this day. I still feel a bit inward in some ways, but of course, by merit of the fact that I'm doing the podcast now and all the other stuff I've done throughout my life, I've definitely flipped uh, the switch from introvert to extrovert. Uh, but unless like I like you know hiding away in a room and all that, um, I think that to me like that feels like something I can relate to a lot as a kid, um, and. It's a thing where I think back to myself, like, you know, I've had people who bullied me when I was younger, to like, try and tell me later on, like, oh, we didn't bully you that much, you know, and I'm like, fuck you, gaslighting piece of shit, fuck off. Um, But the point being, of course, is I actually still do think that I genuinely could have handled myself better when I was young, but again, I was also a kid. And so I look at I and I think to myself, like, God, I wish you'd, I wish you had it better than you do, because I know that I wish I had it better than I did. You know, in many respects, in terms of my own self-confidence, in terms of how I interact with people when I was that young. Um, so yeah, it would undoubtedly be I, uh, without hesitation on that. Um, so, uh, next question from Racken. Um Due to watching both series at the same time, I couldn't help but notice between Momoe in Wundereg and Kashima the Prince from Monthly Girls nozaki uh, a show that, by the way, I have seen one or two episodes of, but I've not seen them for a while. Uh, both are female characters who have other girls fawning over them for what they see as a more masculine or perhaps be shown in appearance. Except whereas Nozaki-kun uses this for laughs, Wonder Egg shows the immense, the mental and emotional toll it takes on Minoi. 1. Do you think watching this show could affect how you or others react to shows that play something up like this for humour going forward? The key thing about humour for me is this. Um, humour, like, humour should not, like, humour should always punch up. Like, comedy has been described as punching up. Now, granted, I think one of the best rules of comedy is that anything can go, but only in very specific situations. But I think, broadly speaking, when it comes to, like, you know, comedy, if we're laughing, for example, an ultra-rich person, no problem, there's no I don't really have much ambiguity about that. Like, yeah, you know, I don't feel bad about that. Um... Laughing at someone who is going through gender identity, uh, dysphoria issues, uh, bodily image issues, you name it. Um, No, I don't have time for that. And I can't comment on Nozaki-kun because I don't remember it. But the key difference to me is whether or not it's laughing at that character or laughing with them. For example, I think this was um, the case in a couple of episodes of Fruits Basket in various times where characters were revealed to like, you know, I think it was particularly with Momji, where Momji, of course, like wears uh, the girl's outfit. And there are characters who react to like, what the fuck is he wearing the girl's outfit? Well, they're the ones who are being ridiculed. Um, and I'm okay with that. I'm okay with ridiculing like obsolete thinking like that. Um, so it really, really depends on the intent of the comedy. And if it is in turn like, you know, ridiculing that particular person because of the fact they have those issues. Like, to me, that is a dis. That is a distinction. I mean, you can always just give me some context here, which is that Kashima and Nozaki Code plays into the joke and embraces the fact that girls are falling over. Um, it has to be assessed on a case by case basis, because even the broad things that I've said uh, you know, don't necessarily apply every single time. But as a general rule for me, uh, laugh with, not at, unless it's someone who deserves it, because again, comedy punches up, generally speaking, it just never punches down. Um, that's my broad rule but you'd have to ask, like, if you want a proper assessment, you'd have to ask me to watch the show and give a specific look at it. If it has changed your thoughts about... This is second question from Reckon. If it has changed your thoughts about using something like that for humour, does it make it okay to use that trait for humour if the character themselves is one that doesn't mind or enjoys it, or does the fact that it affects some people emotionally, like the make it harder? Um, I actually can't... I mean, I've already kind of answered this question, but I'm actually going to say I can't really answer it, because as a cis dude myself... Uh, I don't have um, the perspective that I need, I should have to answer this. You probably would be best asking someone who has had gender identity issues. Um, someone who is trans, for example, or someone, you know, who maybe, I don't know, dresses in um, clothes aren't intended for their gender, for lack of a better phrase. Basically, you need to be asking someone who would actually, in theory, be in that position for their perspective on it and get their opinion rather than asking for mine. Because uh, I'm an outsider looking on this one, and again for me, I am of the opinion that I personally don't mind as long as it um, as long as it is not uh, you know mocking or deriding that person because of them going through that particular scenario where they do have these identity issues. Um, yeah, that's my take on it, basically um and if you are i should just know if you are listening to this podcast uh, after the facts and you yourself do have some thoughts on this and are lgq plus or are, are trans and you want to offer your thoughts on it do feel free to let us know at worry Dash on twitter or at you can talk to me at Shane 1010 educate me give me the give me this info let me know um because i am not equipped to answer that question on behalf of someone else uh, and nor should i expect to uh final point from rackham is are there any other takes from this that i might have missed uh, I think that's about as comprehensive as I can get without stepping outside of my authority on it, really. Um, so, yeah, I, yeah I'd yeah, i have to go back and watch the Zaki for specific commentary. But again, thinking back to the stuff of like Fruits Basket, I was okay with it there because it wasn't about mocking the person in question, but rather mocking uh, the situations around it, such as people being derisive when they shouldn't have been. But anyway. Okay, that brings us to the end of patron questions. So thank you very much, everyone, for joining us uh, for that. Uh, thank you very much to our patrons for supplying them and also to Emily Ram for supplying hers as well. Um again, if you have been listening to this podcast and you think to yourself, hey, you know what? I want to get in on this. I want to ask them questions in real time. I want some probing stuff. Uh well, why the heck not? Get yourself over to patreon.com forward slash Warri show Uh sign yourself up. You only need two dollars for this. You know? That's a that's that's a you know, big bar of chocolate and change. Why not? Uh, you know, or one beer. Um so get yourself over there, uh, sign yourself up, you join our Discord, you can ask us questions in there. Uh, and of course, if you go for the higher tiers, you can ask us questions about the other shows we're covering at the moment, which are uh, Horimiya and Girls Last Tour. All right, with that done, I'm going to talk so very briefly, because I don't want this to be a dry, like non-bantery word essay, kind of or video essay kind of thing, about some smaller stuff that I've noted as well. Um, so one thing I want to note about Momoe is that her scenario, her scenes with the women that she saves in the overworld, she always sees them off at a train station. And I found that a really powerful image because, for one, I think it speaks to her acceptance, maybe, um, of the truth of this, Sarah, which is that no one's ever coming back. Uh, and so she's always seeing them off there. But at least she's doing so on her terms. It's not like they just poof out of existence, where she might have saved them, like, she gives them, like, a dignified send-off. Um, but I think it might also speak to a little bit of romanticism as well, that she meets these people who do um, who do fall for her, and she could very well fall for them back. Like, I, to me, it's not... It could very well be that she is queer. Um, I could certainly see that. Um, and maybe, you know, like, that it's also... Because the thing about trains, of course, is that there is departures, but also arrivals. So maybe it could be, you know, that they could come back in that way, that there could be someone coming back into a life who does genuinely appreciate who she is, uh, and that could be a lady. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a really, really powerful image. and I also think it speaks as well to perhaps maybe her familiarity with having done this for so long, that she knows where this train station is in the other world um, and has now developed this kind of ritual where she takes the girls that she saved there before they disappear. Um, so that's something to note. Um, going through my other notes here, um, Let's see um i want to talk about the scenes uh in I's house once soaki arrives uh we've already discussed for example about the framing of him like uh, of him coming in and like being overly familiar with her when she's coming out of the bathroom but i want to note that like in this scene he is framed against very like defined lines as if though he's coming out of like a, a cave or something like a cave like you know basically out of a shrouded space like it's very clearly defined it keeps him it like blocks him in uh, it makes it feel like there's no escape Um, we also get scenes, of course, like where once, um, I's mother reveals, oh yeah, we'd like to date. Uh, we just have a picture of I, uh, or a frame of I, like from a distance through this door frame, which makes her look trapped. It's claustrophobic even. I'm doing this wrong. There we go. Like that. Um, we also get stuff like, of course, um, when she's told that she's trying to like formulate her response, um, the egg in her, in her meal in her beef bowl starts bubbling up, but almost feels like it's bleeding. It's just yellow. Um, and it, to me, I think it's meant to be a visual metaphor uh, image for her emotional wounds, like her pain coming out of her, and to deal with the situations he's not entirely comfortable with, or, or comfortable with at all, for that matter. Um, yeah, there's a lot of stuff Then, and of course we also have eyes, uh, face reflected in, her, in the egg. Um... So yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Even things like, you know, the first person perspective, like or how, of her looking at directly at Mr. Swaki. Like, it would be uncomfortable no matter where he sat at that table, but the fact that he is directly opposite her is, is quite intimidating. Um, one other thing about that scene I want to mention as well, though, is that we don't actually see Ai's response to Swaki about that or to her mother. Like, she tells Rika and the others later on, oh, uh, I gave them what for, I said I was going to put them in a home, et cetera, et cetera. And we don't know that she actually said that. Um, she could have just simply stormed out. But I I think that really helps build up to the revelation later on that she is perhaps, like, you know, not beating the truth to herself. Because if it would, um, if it was so simple, um, she, you know, would have said those things. But maybe she's saying them only to seem like she really fought back against it in front... Like, to basically show her toughness in front of her, you know... Um, rika and uh, nehru um yeah not necessarily a necessarily reliable narrator in this situation um other than that um i also want to mention about um yay or uh, yai yai i think it is sorry um the girl saved in episode six the one who drops this the pop culture reference i was not expecting the sixth sense good luck uh, game. well that is millennials if you're watching this um <laughs> I want to note something about this scene which I found really interesting to think about, which is the show doesn't actually conclusively say... Uh, I mean, admittedly, there is evidence of it by the fact there is this other world, but the show never conclusively proves that uh, Yai was at, uh, actually um, seeing dead people in the hospital, or reading people's thoughts. We don't know that to be true or not, but I'm of the opinion it doesn't matter. And here's why. Because... She's suffering from this one way or another. It could just be a psychological thing where she's hallucinating or imagining, for whatever reason, these horrific thoughts that other people have of of pain, suffering, torture, you know, all that stuff. Um, Or it could be literal. It could be true, you know. um, But it doesn't matter. She needed help and she never got it. If she had got it, she wouldn't have killed herself. Um, And so this is the show also then touching on how with mental health issues like this, uh, the support being provided is woefully inadequate because it's just not helping these people like it's not being treated as the serious issue it is uh, which i thought was quite powerful um i want to also note by the way the um the vi- the visual elements of this in that she has an eye patch of course um so she is deliberately choosing not to see uh, in full but also the bear she has has two x's across its eyes it's button eyes uh, it is blind um so all the depictions here of someone, of, ch- of someone who's chosen through either imagery that she carries with her or how she presents herself as someone who doesn't want to see the whole world around her. Uh, then, of course, there are the rosary bees which she which uses to see uh, the monster. Uh, by the way, terrifying moment where the grips around the deck here. Horrific stuff. Um, Yugi's asking in chat, like, not all the monsters are inherently bad, but rather victims of the system they grew up with. This is Wonder Egg's core idea in that Every single person, like, it doesn't matter if they're, like, we've got the Ceno evils and the haters which are just non-distinct people. They're a force of nature, for lack of a better phrase. But the people in this even the, like, even the, uh, the monster from, uh, Nehru's fight on the bridge says as much, like, that capitalism is a, you know uh, take, take system. So he is, um, he has been corrupted by that. I think all of them have, to some extent or another, been compromised by the world around them. Um, and indeed, you know, the enemy of the show, the true enemy, is the system of the Gatch game that's being promoted. So yeah, and this of course applies also to the characters themselves, like Nehru is a uh, president of a company. Um, but as I mentioned to Doc before, like for all that she is destroying this guy who is, you know, rampant like, you know, is going all over with, like saying, I'm a capitalist etc, etc, it's what I do. Um, Nehru herself is also just compromised by being in a capitalist system and being at the head of it as well. She's on top. Um, so yeah i do think that they are all i want st- the question of whether or not we want to decide that victims or not is down to whether or not we want to believe they have free will and indeed maybe you could tie that to the gatch game thing that you play the system do you then quit it do you then behave differently do you not abide by its rules um because i think for these people that we've seen in the monsters thus far like you know for them, the system is uh, like the guy in episode four. Like you know, I'm going to blame it on someone else. You know, it's, it's the girl's fault. It's not my fault that she's like you know presents herself this way. She, I think the phrase "jailbait" comes to mind here. At least that's what, and that, that's not what I'm saying about the character. Of course, I'm saying that's what that uh, monster would have said. If in other terms, like you know, uh, so yeah, no. To answer Yuki's question there, I do think that if we want to call them victims, um, we can do. But I think we need to accept the fact that, as demonstrated through the actions of the girls, and particularly Rika pointing out they can just quit any time, that there is always that point where they could go, no, I don't want to do this horrific thing, just because it's the done thing in the system. Because Lord knows, like, there's enough evidence of that in the uh in the real world, like, you know, where people just were allowed to get away with horrific stuff. I think, for example, of like child abuse in the BBC back in the 70s onwards. You know, that was just the culture back then. Uh, no. No, it was never... It was, It doesn't matter if it was the culture or not, it doesn't make it right. The status quo is not an excuse to do things, you know. Just because it's the, it's the done thing does not make it the right thing. And other than that, um, the only other things I'll note are just also how great this, uh, these episodes are animated. Um, I love all of the naturalistic behaviour and body language. Uh, I loved one other thing about when Nehru, uh, in episode 5, goes back to see the Akas, and she walks past the other three girls... Um, lit- like, as she walks away from the egg game, like, showing that she's going in a different direction then quite literally. It was a great visual metaphor for that. Um, and, yeah, that is basically it. Um, that's all I have, really, to say of substance on the show at this point. I don't want to uh, go on too much longer and waste your time uh, prattling on about stuff. Uh, I, however, thoroughly enjoyed these episodes. Episode 6 really, really affected me emotionally. And... This rare show does that these days. I felt really sad afterwards. I felt really upset by it because I felt upset what was what was happening to I, and I didn't want to see her suffer anymore. You know, I wanted to see, I didn't want to see like things get worse before they get better. Um, but yeah, I will end the show by saying that for me, these episodes get the script, same score as Doc's. Uh, 4.75... 4.75 uh, fake soul gems out of five. The only thing I would say that I wish the show had improved on is making clear... Like I'll make doing something a bit more perhaps with um Momoe's relationship with Sawaki. Um, because I, there are arguments for not doing that. Um, but I also think that it feels like it's there more just for meant conflict between the characters when I think there could be other reasons that there is conflict between them. But again, this could be something that we get more time on later. So I'm willing to let it slide for now. Uh, and as I say, there are arguments for it in the is there a he says, she says kind of thing. Um and it is still good that the show actually has in the text itself the perspective that or from someone that you know maybe he's not such a bad guy you know he might be okay that kind of thing i don't know maybe but anyway that brings us to the end of the show Thank you very much to everyone who's um, who's been with us this week. Uh, we will be back to normal next week, I believe, so Doc will be hosting and we'll have the proper full-blown, proper you know, stream with all the bells and whistles. Uh, I'll be back in where I belong, not handling the technical-related stuff. Um, we'll, of course, be covering Horror Mia next week for people on the free dollars tier and higher. If, again, you've not already done so, go on our Patreon and give that a look uh, if you want to join in on the conversation with that um if you are listening to this on the free swear after the fact uh thank you very much for your time as well i hope you've enjoyed and found the podcast informative and useful and fun uh, for that matter you know, maybe a little bit of fun here and there we can have a little bit of fun as a treat that kind of thing um if you do have a moment and you uh i want supporters but don't wish to do so financially because times are tight for everyone i totally get that that's not a problem just do us a favor drop us a like subscribe follow smash those buttons push those social media levers you know all that sort of thing you know how this tango works. Uh, But yeah, if you could do that and maybe also leave us a comment on Apple Music, that would be really, really helpful. Um, Otherwise, that brings us to the end of the show today. Um, Thank you very much, everyone, again. I hope you all have a great weekend, a safe weekend. Um, If you're out currently in Texas or in America in general, pretty much, um, stay warm, um, stay safe, take care of yourselves and your fellow man as much as you can. Um, and I'll, hopefully we'll go, I'll get through this okay. but Otherwise, we'll see you next week for Hormia. And until then, as we often say on this podcast, embrace you everyone. It's the end of the universe. Good night. How do you like your eggs in the morning? I like mine with a kiss, boiled or fried. I'm satisfied. As long as I get my kids.